the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God wants to raise up an army of believers whose prayer shakes the nation and the nations of the world. God wants you to shake the evil out of its dwelling place in your family, in your workplace, in the nation. Prayers Heard in Heaven is a teaching ministry teaching God's people to pass blessings with prayer. In the fifth chapter of James, the Bible tells us to pray for one another, that we may be healed, and that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The following program, Prayers Heard in Heaven, with speaker and teacher Valerie Sneed, will help you learn to pray fervently and effectively and truly see results in prayer. Valerie Sneed, with Prayers Heard in Heaven, starts now. Today we're going to talk about fasting and prayer. We're going to talk about the royal priesthood. So we're going to go back just a little bit to our previous lesson in case you missed it. And for those who heard that lesson, I just want to reiterate just a few things because it's so vitally important. What happened at the Jordan River when John was baptizing for the remission of sins? So let's go back just a little bit today and then we're going to go forward. Now, God wants you to truly understand your power and authority in prayer. And if the church truly understood it, I'm sure I wouldn't have been sent to teach God's people to play. If we really understood our power in prayer, wouldn't we pray more often? Wouldn't that be the first thing that we do? Not only when we face obstacles and challenges in life, but it would be the first thing we do when we rise out of bed in the morning. It would be the most talked about event in the country. It would be more talked about than the Super Bowl, more talked about than any event that takes place, more talked about than anything that comes out in the movie theater. Prayer would be the subject of conversation if we really understood how powerful it is. Well, God's changing things today for the church. So let's go backwards for just a moment to the Jordan River. We're going to go back to that scene that altered all of time. And as we go back there, remember that we talked about John baptizing. And remember, he's preaching repentance of sin. And Jesus comes forward. And just I'm just going to quickly kind of paraphrase and make a few notes for you. Jesus comes forward and John baptizes him. But why? That's a great question. Why does John baptize Jesus when he's actually calling people to come for repentance and remission of sins? Why does Christ get baptized? Well, we have an understanding today that isn't as obvious as it may, as it needs to be, I want to say. And that is, as Christ came forward to be baptized, three things took place. One, going to the office of the priest, one thing that had to happen was the priest had to, uh, the priest's son, you had to be the son of a priest, and the priest, the son of the priest had to be submerged in water was one of the first things that had to happen. An anointing had to take place at that time for the priesthood to be transferred to the son. 
And the third thing that had to happen was the priest had to openly, publicly say, this is my son. He had to confirm that. Well, all these things happened when Jesus was at the Jordan River. He was baptized, so he was submerged in water. And John, instead of pouring oil on Christ, remember, the Holy Spirit ascends in the form of a dove. And then the next thing that happened is the voice of God is heard and the heavens open. And the Lord says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so now the priesthood is transferred. It's transferred to Christ himself. And so heaven and earth meet, they collide. And the believer's life is going to be changed for all of time. So John's baptism of Christ at the Jordan River is vitally important. The Levite priests also were made priests at about the age of 30. And Christ is actually 30 at that time when he's baptized in the Jordan River. Now, the Bible says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will be made well. Now, remember now he's talking about you. So when Christ took the priesthood openly and publicly in front of all of these people, the priesthood was transferred to him. But then the Bible tells us that we are priests and that we are holy, a holy nation. So the priesthood, the whole scene at the Jordan River really was all about you because Christ did not need remission of sins, but he did need to become our high priest. And he did that right here on earth. And so all should be convinced of their power and what exactly was handed over to them at the Jordan River. It is so very powerful. When we go to God believing that he is a loving and that he is truly our father, we can go to him in boldness and in confidence. And we can pray in faith believing. And when we do this, our prayers ascend to a new level. Now, there is a law that we talked about, a promise of God, that if we would do this in prayer, that our prayers would be answered. It is a law that's irrevocable. It's a law that then cannot be changed. It's already set in place. And it's in Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Now, I want to go back to the scripture and just emphasize that because it is the foundation upon which prayer is built. It's telling us that if we ask, that we will receive. And that if we ask, and it shall be given, and if we knock, it shall be opened unto us for everyone that asks to receive, and he that seeks find, and to him that knocks, it shall be opened. So when we ask in faith, the heavens shift because our prayers on earth. When we come to God believing that he is going to answer, he's going to do what we're asking him to do, then we show him our faith. But without faith, we know that it's impossible to please God. Now, scripture points it out to us here, but we must persevere in prayer. I'm sorry to say that a lot of people have missed this. Jesus was actually giving us a powerful form. He was actually giving a system of prayer. He was showing us how prayer works in the spirit realm. He was showing us that by those specific words to ask, to seek, and to knock. 
it shows a progress. It shows a continuum taking place. It actually shows us how to go forward in prayer. When we pray and we're asking, if we have not seen the answer, then we have to seek. And if we are seeking and we do not see the answer, then we have to knock. Now, this shows a person who is persevering in prayer and only people who know how to press their way. That's what they used to say when I was a child. Old people used to say, you have to press your way in prayer. And that's what the scripture is talking about. Don't back down when you haven't seen the answer to the prayer. Don't give up. That's called being spiritually lazy in prayer. Press your way in the kingdom of God. Persevere in prayer. Increase in strength when you have not seen the answer to the prayer. Go to the Lord with all of your heart. If you ask God and you seek him, And he does not answer. Don't just give up. Don't go backwards. Press on forward. Pray with greater passion. Go after God until you receive what you are asking him for. Maybe you've been dealing with a child that's on drugs. Maybe you've been dealing with a child that's in rebellion. Maybe you're dealing with a child and you you know that if this child continues to do what he's doing, he's looking towards a prison system. He's looking towards not graduating from college. He or she is going to lose their job, but you're persevering in prayer. When all odds seem against you, when it seems that all odds are against the person or the situation that you're praying for, you no longer look at what you see in the natural. The Bible says that we walk by, not by sight. We walk by faith. Sight is for the world to come. In the world to come, we don't need faith because then we see the angels. We see God. We see the throne of grace. We see the lamb that was slain. We don't need faith in the other realm, in the supernatural. We need faith in this world. You see, faith is for this world. So we walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And therefore, I say again, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. Now when you pray, Now, maybe this will change your prayers, because when you pray this way, you won't be praying ordinary prayers. And then that's how you see mighty answers to prayer. And what happens is when you pray this way and an urgent need comes up, I'm talking about life or death. I'm talking about a situation that can alter someone's entire life. When those situations are presented, what is within you rises up and your faith It will be mountaintop faith that ascends to a new level. I want to tell you something that happened to us. We were traveling over in Japan and and I had taken my two younger sons to see the older son who was in the military. And we got over on the island in Japan and, you know, we were going every place and doing all kinds of things. And, you know, I wasn't sure I even packed my faith because I didn't think I needed it because I was on vacation if you will. And so we're on vacation and we're just just having a fantastic time. And the, the guys go and see some car racing and things like that. And they get back late and they're just all excited. And all of a sudden, the two younger sons are sitting on the sofa and they're talking. And the middle son grabs his chest and his face is turning red. And he's and we're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he said, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. And, and I was like, well, what is it? he said? I don't know. It's, it's my chest. It's my chest. He started getting redder and redder. 
And the older son, who was in the military at the time, he said, I'm, I'm calling the hospital. I'm calling the hospital because he worked in the military hospital. And he called the hospital and they said, you know, well, you can't bring him to the hospital because we can only see civilians in the hospital. I'm saying, sorry, we can only see military personnel in the hospital. You'll have to take him in town to the civilian hospital. Well, it's it's you know mid-morning, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're sitting up talking and laughing, you know, then before this happened. Well, we can't go because there wasn't a translator normally at that time of night in the hospital. And there was no one that could go with us, um, long story short, that spoke Japanese. So we said, wow, you know, we're thinking, what are we going to do? It's a desperate situation. Well, my son calls the the hospital back and says, you've got to do something. My younger brother is having a heart attack. By this time, he's doubling over in pain. And and the chief officer says, I'll send the paramedics. I can do that for you. And we can transport him into town. But again, we cannot see him in the military hospital. So the paramedics come in and they're checking him out. And they're saying to me, Mrs. Snead, this is really bad. His blood pressure is really high. He's in severe pain. You're going to have to take him in town to the hospital. We can transport him for you but you know that's what we would have to do and so I said well no no it's okay it's okay you know we have a car and and you can go ahead and leave and they had hooked him up to their little machines and everything nice as little young men you ever want to know and so I said well no no it's okay you know we we've got it are you sure I said absolutely so they left and when they left I started towards my room and the older son said what are you doing mother what are you doing he's having a heart attack I said it's okay I got this And I came back in the room and I said, you know what? I laid my hands on him and I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, blood pressure normalized, heart rate normalized. In the name of Jesus, be healed in Jesus' mighty name. I want to tell you that right then in front of all of us, gradually the redness began to leave his face. He was still kind of slumped over. I said, are you all right? You know, Niles, are you okay? And he said, I I think, I think so. I think so, mother. I think so. I want to tell you that in a very few minutes, he came out of that. We finished our vacation. Long story short, he tried to have one more pain before we left the island in Japan. I prayed again. He did not have another pain. We finished our vacation. We got back to the United States. Children's Hospital ran every test they could run, and they could never find a reason for what his heart did. I want to tell you that when you persevere in prayer on a daily basis, when there is an emergency, your faith just rises up, and you will step into the supernatural without even really thinking about it, and you will take a hold of things in the supernatural realm, and heaven will make a shift, and it will be seen in the natural bless God. And this kid was like 16 years old then and has never had another pain since like that. God is amazing. He wants us to know that when we seek, we will find when we knock, he will answer for everyone that seeketh does find. It's important that we have that communion with God on a daily basis. It's important that when you're praying about a situation and when you're praying and you have not seen that answer, it's important that you persevere. It's important that you decide, I don't have another choice. It's important that you continue to knock and seek God. 
Because if you're praying ordinary prayer, let me tell you what I'll do. If I'm praying ordinary prayer and I don't see the answer, and these are just, you know, my regular daily prayers and I'm praying about the situation, then I'm going to. I'm going to go into a fast because the Holy Spirit will give us how to pray. I, he, he usually tell me go into a fast. If I go into a fast and I still don't see the answer to the prayer, then he might say to me, Hannah's prayer. And then I know he's telling me to take a vow. And it's important when we take a vow that we fulfill that vow or God sees it as sin. And we'll talk about that another day. If I take a vow. And I don't see the answer to prayer, and I've never seen that happen, by the way. But if I take a vow, if I were to do that, and I did not see the answer to the prayer, I can tell you what the Lord would say to me. He'd say, go face down. That means I'm going to get in the floor, and I'm going to go face down before the Lord, and I'm going to call on God. Because every time I go face down, God answers. (laughs) You see? And so you know what's happening? That means I'm seeking. That means I am knocking. You see, I am persevering in prayer. And those are the type of prayers that give you mountaintop faith when you see those type of results. Those are the type of prayers that it takes it to live in the times that we live in. See, when I was a little girl, I was born in a time where there was turmoil in the country. And see, I remember because my daddy was an old Baptist preacher. And I can see him in the pulpit right now. I, I remember being about five years old. And I can see right now my daddy down on one knee and he would be praying to God and he would call on his angels. He would tell the Lord, send your angels to this situation. See, because see, in those days, the pastor was everything. He was the lawyer. He was the counselor. No matter what happened, you know, he was the undertaker just about (laughs) no matter what happened. They called on the pastor. So he had to pray about every situation and he had to know how to get a prayer through. Well, my daddy got results in prayer. And so that's a powerful image for a young kid to see. And I'll never forget that. My daddy's gone on to be in heaven, but I still see him down on one knee in the pulpit calling on God to send his angels. And so I learned real early that God had angels and that if you call on him, that he would send them. So I'm saying to you today that you must persevere in prayer. You have to press forward. You can't back down and give up. That's called being spiritually lazy. And so maybe sometimes people say to me, you know, maybe you're saying, well, Valerie, I pray. My prayers don't do anything. Things kind of lie dormant. What is the secret to that? How do I change my prayer life? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you today because that situation requires honesty. Normally what happens when the prayer life goes dormant and it's just kind of flat, it usually means that we're walking in unforgiveness. That's when we have to search our hearts and we have to say, Lord, is there something between you and me? Is there something that someone has said or something that has happened and I'm harboring it in my heart and I don't even know it's in my heart? You see, because sin Repentance and unforgiveness, those are three things that will ground your prayers. They'll hit the ceiling and fall right back down. They won't even go anywhere. Those are three very important things to search out when you say, my prayers don't move anything. And so most people will give up in prayer. But God doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to persevere. Because he's jealous over you because he loves you. So he wants you to press your way 
You see, because this law is the law, Matthew 7, 7 to 11. This is the law that prayer is founded upon because it is a promise of God to seek, to find, to knock at the door shall be opened unto you. It is a system of prayer that Christ was showing us. It wasn't, he wasn't just giving an ordinary scripture. He was saying, this is how prayer works. It's irrevocable. It cannot change. It is a law, but it is an actual form of prayer that shows a progression of how we persevere in prayer until we cross the finish line and see the answers in prayer. I'm going to go forward today and talk a little bit about fasting. Now, fasting is a big topic. And it requires a whole lesson all by itself. But I just want to take a little bit of time and lay a foundation because I know that I promised to talk about that. Because fasting is one of the most powerful forms of prayer that you could ever perform. In fasting, the first thing that you do is write down what the fast is about. That will assist you to be strong and to persevere in prayer. And then you cleanse the past. You make a confession to God. You confess your sin or whatever is in between you and God. And then you repent. And it's important to confess your sin out loud when it's just you and God. And then go to Ezekiel 36 and 26. We're asking God to take the stony places in our heart and cause them to be flesh, to sprinkle clean water upon us and cause us to walk according to his laws and his ordinances. And then Psalms 51 is a cleansing prayer because you're removing yourself from all, everything that's gotten in between you and God. And then you remove all outer distractions and go into a quiet place where we see John the Baptist and Jesus going off into the wilderness in a quiet place where we can seek God. And the Lord will give you how long to fast. Maybe your fast is a day. Maybe it's two days. Maybe it's three days. And then it also is going to involve some type of diet. Now, true fasting, if we look in the book of Daniel, Daniel ate no sweet bread or dainty, something like that, he says. But he had vegetables. He had water. And so it also involves some type of what I call lighten your tank. Okay, you got to give up some food, you know, fasting. I'm going to give up chocolate or I'm going to give up um, journaling for a week or something. That's that's not according to the word of God. I'm not going to tell you that it's not a fast, but I'm just going to tell you that's not what's in our Bible. Daniel said he ate vegetables and water and no pleasant food. Maybe your fast is for three weeks. The Holy Spirit has to be your guide. The higher you go, the higher the angelic forces that surround you. The higher you go spiritually in prayer, the higher the protection that is fortified around you. During Daniel's fast, remember what he said? He said an angel touched him and it caused him to tremble. There is a time in life that all of us must fast. We must persevere in prayer. Fasting is one of the most powerful forms of prayer. And all of us are actually asked by God to do this. The Bible says when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast. Now that's telling you that you too are called to fast. When we do something that physically lightens us physically, spiritually, the mind begins to soar. Fasting brings us to an humble place before God. 
it lets us know that without food, you know, we begin to realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm quite fragile. And everything I thought I could do on my own, I now realize I myself am nothing without God. So fasting, taking a vow, your ordinary, your regular prayers, I shouldn't call them ordinary, but your regular prayers, your supplication, your requesting part of your prayer. All of these are ways to persevere in prayer. This will give you mountaintop faith because the Bible says with all kinds of prayers and supplication, making your requests known unto God. These are forms of prayer that cause you to be able to persevere. And maybe up until this point, you only knew one or two forms of prayer. Well, today I've gone over a number of types of supplication to make your requests known unto God. When you seek him with your whole heart, that's when you see results in prayer. When you persevere, when you have not seen the answer, but you will not give up and press forward, that's when you see results in prayer. I'm Valerie Sneed of Prayers Heard in Heaven. And I am teaching God's people to pray. We'll be back next week with a powerful lesson from the word of God. And we will go forward with fasting. We'll go into more types of supplication, how you are going to make your request known unto God. You've been listening to Valerie Sneed with Prayers Heard in Heaven. If you missed any of the program, listen next Sunday evening at 530. For more information about their weekly live prayer call, visit their website at prayersheardinheaven.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.